0: Amen. So there's a preacher that was guest teaching at a church and he started out this, you know, rousing sermon on salvation and and going to heaven. And he began to say, brothers and sisters, at the end of his message, if you want to go to heaven, come up, stand up and come and stand with me. And a number of the people in the church stood up and he looked and he saw a number still sitting. He's like, brothers and sisters let me say it again if you want to go to heaven come and stand with me and the majority of the people all got up and they came and stood along with them and the preacher looked out and just saw one man still sitting there in his seat and the preacher looked at him and said brother don't you want to go to heaven when you die and the man said oh sure yeah when i die i thought you were taking a load up right now <laughs> now I gotta say, if there was a load going up right now, I think I'd be at the front of that line. I'd be ready to go. Like, Lord, when are you coming? I'm ready. And yet, I think the sad reality is that there are a number of believers that are not yet in that place where they're like excited for, looking forward to heaven. And oftentimes, it's because they don't have a proper biblical view of heaven and the things of eternity. In fact, just this week, there was a poll that came out and it said that 70% of born-again believers don't believe that uh, that Jesus is the only way to heaven and to salvation. 70% of born-again, I would I'd like to clarify, I think that's 70% of professing believers and not born-again believers, because we know that there's only one way, Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him, and yet this seems to be a view that many are kind of, having now professing believers thinking well you know there's other religions there's other options out there i don't want to say that jesus is the only way and so with that kind of thinking you'd have to wonder what kinds of biblical stance do they have when it comes to things to come to matters of eternity And, and and i think there's just a lot of people that don't have a proper view of these things they i think would look at Heaven and things of an eternal nature with a bit of mystery and wondering, like, what is it really going to be like? And, and almost for some, I think, having a fear and a worry because there's so many things like left unanswered and uncertain about eternity that hasn't given or caused people to live with such an expectation or an anticipation of things to come. And so I pray that that will change a little bit for us as we begin to fill things in a little bit more biblically on this next and final destination of ours here in this series of things to come because we've been looking at this timeline of the end times. And so what we are seeing next on that prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. That's the next thing to come. There's nothing needs to be fulfilled before that happens. That's the imminent return of Christ when he catches us, the church, to meet him in the air where we will be with him in heaven for seven years. What's going on in the earth at that time? The tribulation period. Seven-year tribulations is God's judgment on the earth against a Christ-rejecting world. It's also a time where he's stirring up the hearts of Israel and, and renewing Israel back to faith in him so the seven-year tribulation and then at the end of that tribulation there's that final rebellion led by the antichrist not the final rebellion but a rebellion against god and against god's people Uh, battle of armageddon christ comes back the second coming of christ where he sets foot on the earth again final judgment and then the millennial reign of christ sorry not the final judgment uh brings the end of the battle of armageddon then uh sets up the millennial reign of christ a thousand years of Christ reigning on this earth, where the earth is restored, uh, renovated in, in a sense, and just again, made as it was intended to be from creation. And so glorious time, a thousand years on this earth, but then there's that final rebellion. I was talking about final rebellion um, by Satan leading many away from God, final judgment, and then it ushers in this eternal state. That's what we're going to be looking at here today. This final state. It's the culmination of everything and the final destination for us. Look at Revelation chapter 21. So we look at this new creation now. Revelation 21 verse 1. Here's what we read. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. have, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Hey, are you, are you getting excited just reading those first few verses here? To think about Jesus making all things new, where there's going to be no more pain, no more death, no more sin, no more crying, no more... any. It's just going to be glorious. It's going to make all things new. I'm so looking forward to this a new heaven and a new earth and we need it because the old is going to pass away why so why does the old earth the old heaven need to be be um, removed because it's been corrupted marred by sin now like i said before the millennium right uh the world is going to go through a type of recreation or renovation And it's going to need it then, before the millennium, because the world, during the tribulation period, is just going to get beat up. Man, it's the judgment of God upon the world. And so there's going to be devastation that's going to be taking place in the world for those seven years. So as the millennial reign comes in, there's going to be this kind of new order, recreation. It's going to be like the earth going back to the way it was at creation, the way that God intended it but here's the reality is that during the millennial reign of Christ sin is still going to be present it's not going to be acted upon because Satan is going to be bound he's going to be chained and put in the pit where he's not going to have influence any longer so though there's going to be people brought into the millennium in a natural physical body that have come through the tribulation as believers in Christ they're going to be in their natural bodies they have the propensity to sin but they're not going to act on it because it's going to be that righteous reign of christ i believe as we're reigning with christ we're going to be seeing that people are living in accordance to god's laws it's going to be planted again as that new covenant planted upon our hearts where we're going to carry out these things but then at the end of the millennium satan is going to be released he's going to lead one last final rebellion people are going to be Awoken to this sin nature in a sense as Satan comes and begins to deceive them and tempt them and they're going to follow Satan rather than follow God. It's not going to go well for them. It's not going to be much of a, a rebellion or, or you know, battle because God's just going to come and wipe it all out. Never is a good thing to go against God. <laughs> You're never going to be on the winning side when you do so but the close of the tribulation there will then be this final judgment which will put an end now to sin once and for all. This is the great white throne judgment and this is for unbelievers only. Look at Let's back up a little bit Revelation 20. Revelation 20 verse 11. Here's what we read there and just to kind of fill it in for you as to why there's a new heaven and new earth coming. It says in Revelation 20, verse 7, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face, notice this, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So here's what's going to happen. People that die right now, apart from faith in Christ, they go in a place called Hades. It's a place of torment. But they're awaiting their resurrection and final sentence which isn't going to come until after the millennium at the great white throne judgment this is only for unbelievers and this is not a judgment of works to see well have you kind of qualified now to make it into heaven have you done enough to kind of turn things around to be no this is not a a qualification for heaven. This is a final sentence because they have already rejected Jesus Christ. There's gonna be no debate of guilt here, only prosecution, no defense or jury, just the judge, no appeal, only a sentence. And it says that they're gonna suffer the second death, which is eternal punishment now in the lake of fire, where the first residents were the antichrist and the false prophet after the tribulation. And then the next resident was satan who was cast in the lake of fire after the millennium and now at the great white throne judgment all those that have died apart from faith in christ will be placed in this final sentence in the lake of fire where they'll be in torment for all of eternity sadly here's the reality guys is if you are born once you're going to die twice if you're born twice you're going to die once see Jesus calls us all to the need to be born again. Born not just naturally, but born in the spirit. And those that are born twice are only gonna die once, meaning you're gonna die physically, but then you're gonna be raised to life in and through Jesus Christ, who is the first fruits of our resurrection because you put your faith in Jesus. Because you've been born again, born twice, you're only gonna die once, you're gonna die physically, but then be brought to life eternally. But if you're only born once, you've only experienced a natural birth. You've not put your faith in jesus and been born again you've only been born naturally born once you're going to die twice you're going to die physically but then you're going to die spiritually that's the second death that's talked about here in revelation chapter 20. the question is have you been born again not the, the the question is never do you go to church the question is never do you believe in jesus or believe in god a lot of people say oh i believe in i believe in jesus sure the question is have you been born again Have you been regenerated from the inside out? That's a work of the Spirit. Only God can do that. This isn't putting on works. This isn't being a good person. This is a spiritual work that takes place as you're born again, as you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Have you been born again? If you're born again, then you never have to worry about death. Oh, we might die physically, but we ultimately just graduate to our eternal home, our resurrected body. Where we are with Jesus forever so the reality is that the earth and the heaven need to be dissolved and wiped away for the new earth and heaven to come because the old earth the old heaven is, is going to be marred and and judged or judged and it's gonna it's been corrupted by sin even even the heaven satan is called the prince of the air jesus talked about these very things happening matthew 24 verse 35 when he says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away peter alludes to this time when he says in second peter chapter 3 verse 10 but the day the lord will come as a thief and the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt now with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in it are going to be burned up it says so peter alludes to this day and this is now where we pick it up in Revelation 21 and notice this is a new heaven and earth understand this here because this isn't a remodel this isn't a reconstruction this is not a renovation of what once was as it was going into the millennium this is now the earth and the heaven that is completely dissolved taken away fade away and now a completely new heaven and earth. It's going to be something completely beyond what we've experienced and beyond what we can even conceive this side of eternity. That word new, the Greek word kaino speaks of something that's fresh. It's not new in the sense that something old was just freshened up. It's that this new thing is completely new in character. It's as though it's unfamiliar to us. Something we haven't experienced before. So you can go and... You know, buy a new car. But you're still getting into a car going, I'm familiar with cars. Had a car before, it might be new for me, but it's not new in concept. I'm not going into a car going, what is this round thing? A steering wheel? That is so awesome! What is this all about? What are these pedals doing? No, you're you're stepping in a car, you're familiar with how it operates, right? You're not blown away by something new. Might be new to you but it's not new in nature or in character but this new heaven now and this new earth is going to be new in the sense that we can't even comprehend it it's going to be so completely different remember paul and he looks at this in second corinthians chapter 12 when he says that he knew man that was caught to the third heaven he's talking about himself and, and he goes on to say that he heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter So here's Paul taken up to to heaven and he's experiencing things now that he can't even describe. And he's not just talking about the things. I mean, this is what what amazes me. Because I think heaven is gonna be so beautiful. We're gonna see things that we've never seen. But Paul doesn't talk about the things he saw. He says, I can't even explain to you the things that I've heard. I think we're gonna be hearing things we've never heard before. I think we're gonna be seeing things we've never seen before. I think we'll be smelling things we've never smelled before. Just like, it's great. Nobody's gonna be passing wind in, in heaven any longer. That's part of the curse. Nobody's gonna be saying, come on, who did that? You need to separate. You need to. That's not gonna happen, that's part of the curse. We're gonna have just beautiful smells that are gonna be, I think, brand new for us. Like, I've never smelled that before. This is glorious. Seeing things, hearing things that we've never encountered before, that's what is being talked about with a new heaven and new earth. So the old heaven and the old earth need to be completely dissolved, put away with, so that the new can be ushered in. Now, just so we're clear, when we talk about a new heaven, you know, whenever we hear that word heaven, we always think of the the celestial, you know, abode of God, right? Well, the Bible talks about three heavens. It talks about the first heaven, which is referring to the atmosphere above the earth. You look up into the heavens. Talks about the second heaven, which is the sun, moon, and stars, the the stratosphere. That's the second heavens. But the third heaven is speaking of that dwelling place of God. And so when we talk about a new heaven, being formed, It's speaking about that first heaven, the, the atmosphere above the earth. So there's going to be a new earth, but there will also be a new you know, atmosphere around the earth. Again, because that was corrupted, as I said, Satan was known as that prince of the power of the air. That's been corrupted, but it's going to be made new, never to be corrupted again. And notice here in chapter 21, verse 1, it says that there will be no more sea, right? A new heaven and a new earth. And the distinction being made right now is that there'll be no more sea. And you kind of go, what? Why? Like, why so? I was, you know, looking forward to some surfing in in heaven in this new earth, right? Got to make the most of it during the millennium, I guess. But, you know, seas oftentimes for us, it's like, oh, long walks on the beach, you know, the rolling waves, people love boating out there. It's like, why no more sea? Well, in the Jewish mind, the sea you know was associated with trouble chaos storms the sea was not a comfortable thing for the jewish person and the seas were what divided up people essentially too in this day when you wanted to go from one continent to another you didn't just hop on a plane and wake up and all of a sudden you're in this new area you know you had to jump on a ship and get from one continent to the next and you didn't know what to expect people died they they didn't make it all the time so to embark out on the sea was a bit of a lofty endeavor that brought a little bit of fear for people but here now in this new earth new heaven it says that there's going to be no more sea it's gonna be no more trouble chaos storms a brewing. it's gonna be a place of peace safety and, and comfort oh there'll be bodies of water still thankful for that and we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But what's really amazing, we've touched on it already. We've uh, seen it in chapter 21 here. What's really gonna be amazing with this eternal state is this new Jerusalem that comes down. This new Jerusalem is beyond, again, anything that we can even imagine or comprehend. This is gonna be the dwelling place of God and this new Jerusalem, this city, is gonna be radiant. We're gonna have access to dwell there too. Let's look a little closer at what this New Jerusalem is going to be like here. Look at verse 9 of chapter 21. Revelation 21, verse 9. This is some description of the New Jerusalem. It says, Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bulls filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to great and high mountain and showed me the great city the holy jerusalem descending out of heaven from god having the glory of god her light was like a most precious stone like a jasper stone clear as crystal also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates 12 angels of the gates and names written on them which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of israel three gates on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south and three gates on the west now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15, and he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. Wow. So catch this now with me. This new Jerusalem, this city, where God's going to be dwelling, is going to descend down from God, we believe, descend down from heaven. And it's reminiscent now of the Holy of Holies that sat in the tabernacle, first of all, and then in the temple. Because the Holy of Holies was perfectly cubed. In the tabernacle, it was 15 feet by 15 feet wide uh, length and height in the, te- in the temple is 30 feet, completely square and cubed all around. But now this new Jerusalem is going to come down completely equal in all its measurements, in its its depth, in its width, length, and height. Completely equal. It's going to be reminiscent of this Holy of Holies where God dwelt there, where God would meet with his people and, and actually only meet with the high priest only one day of the year. It was there that it was seen that his presence would dwell. But now we see this new Jerusalem coming down reminiscent of this Holy of Holies where God is dwelling and where we now have access to. We'll talk about that a little bit, but notice the dimensions of this. This is far bigger than any Holy of Holies place. This uh, New Jerusalem is huge. It says it's 12,000 furlongs. For those of you not familiar with that, that would be, of course, double uh, 6,000 furlongs, twice as much as 6,000 furlongs, so it's huge, right? I have to take that every time it comes up. You know it. But here's here's a furlong. A furlong in Bible times was equal to about 600 feet. In our day, it equals about 660 feet. So this city is anywhere between 1,400 to 1,500 miles at its height, length, and width. That equals 2,250,000 cubic miles. Skip Isaac said that this city is 150,000 times the size of London, which is the largest city by square mileage on today's Earth. That is significant right there. So, keep in mind now. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. (laughs) Keep in mind that this city extends 1,500 miles above the Earth up into space, right? And we are in these glorified, resurrected, eternal bodies that are no longer limited to physical dimension. You think about Jesus, right, when he resurrected and he was able to to you know go into a room that had a locked door, he was able to pass through the wall, the door, he was able to like leave the two on the road to Maze and then just all of a sudden be gone and appear over over another place. He was no longer limited to this physical dimension. We're gonna have these resurrected eternal bodies, which means that we're gonna be able to use up every bit of space in this 1,500 mile high, 1,500 mile long, 1,500 mile wide, 2,250,000 cubic miles of space. We're gonna be moving in here and living in here in these resurrected bodies. Henry Morris calculated that if 20 billion people got saved over all of history if you just take 20 billion people that are saved and you bring them into the new jerusalem and you took only a fourth of that city to place everyone you'd have a space of 75 acres each at its length width and height 75 acres for every person if 20 billion people are there and only in a fourth of that city That's some vaulted ceilings there you get to enjoy in that day. This is going to be unlike anything that we've ever experienced or seen. It is cool stuff here. Now here's some perspective as to what this cube coming down, and whether it's going to be sitting on the earth or whether it's going to be hovering above the earth. Some believe maybe it's going to be like orbiting around the earth. We don't know exactly. But this new Jerusalem is going to come down from God, from heaven, and this is the size of it. This is some other perspective here. Uh, You got from Florida to like Maine is about 1,500 miles from New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico to uh, Seattle, uh, about 1,500 miles. So this place here is going to be uh, sitting on the world and just you think about the world today. And um, you think about how much space there is and yet how much unoccupied space there is, right? Uh, People love to kind of clutter together into cities and areas around there. There's so much unused space. Now, when this New Jerusalem comes, there's going to be so much space, but here's the thing, there's going to be enough space for us all to dwell in the New Jerusalem, but I, I believe we're still going to have access now to the earth, the new earth. I mean, think about this now, what e- eternity is going to be like, because I love to travel, right? Uh, I love to explore around and see different places of the world. I, I mean, I used to enjoy it. I don't know if that's gonna happen anymore, but I love being able to see different parts around the world and, and you get to enjoy God's great creation. You go, wow, this is pretty amazing stuff. And I mean, I, I think, I, I, always, I always like coming home, going, Lord, I think you brought me to like the best place on earth. This is like, Some of the most beautiful areas around is right here in our our own lower mainland. This is a beautiful place. But here's the thing is we get to enjoy God's great creation and this is enjoying it under the curse. This is a world that's not exactly the way it's meant to be but yet we still get to enjoy creation. Now think about when this all dissolves away and God ushers in a new earth and new heaven and we have access now To just explore around and just to travel about. We don't have to book any plane tickets. We don't have to wait in line for a subway or anything like that. Like, we just in our bodies get to move about and see all these glories of God. It is going to be amazing to explore throughout all of eternity just the beauty that God has put into this eternal state. It's exciting. So we see in chapter 21 verse 12 that the city has 12 gates with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. In chapter, uh, in verse 14 of chapter 21, we see that the 12 foundations of this new Jerusalem has the names of the 12 apostles on it in remembrance of, you know, the significance of those groups here. And then we read in chapter 21 verse 21, look at this, chapter 21 verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. So this is where you get the idea, you know, you hear people say, you know, coming up to the pearly gates, right? That's kind of the idea here, but this isn't just, you know, a set of gates with pearls on it. This is 12 gates that are literal pearls. These pearls are the gates. I think they're just going to be huge. They're going to be amazing. And it's kind of that reminder for us too, because how is a how is a pearl formed? It's formed within the flesh of an oyster when an irritant gets in, whether it's a piece of sand or or you know something, a parasite, and that oyster begins to uh, have this secretion that goes around that irritant, this this milky kind of secretion that begins to form around it, and layer after layer begins to build until you end up with this perfectly formed, brilliant, round, shiny pearl this beautiful jewel. I think these pearls are just gonna be reminders for us that though we've gone through difficulty, perhaps in this life, and we faced irritants. God has turned all those things around for good. God has worked through all those things and brought such beauty out of it all. I'm so thankful for that. Well, this whole city seems to be just a dazzling, transparent, radiant place here for us. It it says that it has a gold street there like transparent glass. Just pure gold that's just like so clear. It's just no impurities in it. It's just, again, something I think that is completely new to us that we haven't experienced or witnessed before. I mean, I would take just regular gold. I mean, uh, that's something I haven't seen a lot of, but I mean, transparent gold like glass now. I mean, this is going to be, again, so pure and so good. I like the idea that there's just... You know, it just says the street of gold. It's like there's just one street in this city. See, I can be pretty directionally challenged. I rely way too much on Apple Maps. I don't know about some of you. I'm like, my goodness, where am I? Where where do I need to go? I missed that turn. Oh my goodness, pull up maps. You know here in heaven, one street, GPS ain't going to be needed. We're not going to be getting lost. We're not going to be getting turned around. We know exactly where, and it's going to be so illuminated, so bright, Uh, it it alludes to this new Jerusalem being just completely like transparent where I think we're just going to be able to see right into it, see all that's going on, and just be constantly reminded of God's presence there in this new Jerusalem. Well, Let's look at a few more blessings that are coming and associated here with this new earth, new heaven, new Jerusalem specifically. Look at chapter 22, verse one. Chapter 22 says, "'And he showed me a pure river of water of life, "'clear as crystal. Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Verse 4, they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So we see that the seas are no more, but there's a river. A pure river, it says, and it's the river of the water of life. This is exactly what Jesus has promised us all along to those that call out to him, those that come to him. He spoke with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and he, and he said, Woman, if you knew the water that I could give you. And it's this water that would truly satisfy this water of life. In, in John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus called out there the last day of that feast, and he said, if anyone, you know, believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus has made that invitation for people to come and experience life in him, to come and receive from him, and and experience this living water, this water of life that's going to sustain you and satisfy you, unlike anything else. And now in Eternity we see this river of the water of life is just a, a perpetual reminder of the abundance of life that we have in Jesus and we have a tree in this New Jerusalem sitting by the river it says interesting this tree is on either side of the river I don 't know how that works if it extends all the way over or if there's multiple trees we 're not sure exactly but it 's seeing now this Full circle of scripture. Perhaps this is the tree of life that sat in the garden of Eden. And we're seeing this again story of scripture coming full circle where paradise was lost. It's now regained. What was once under a curse is now no longer cursed. In the garden access to that tree of life was cut off from Adam and Eve. But now access is reinstated. A tree of life there. Now what's interesting, and and this is somewhat confusing almost, but it says that the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. And you read that there at the end of verse 2 and you go, what in the world? Why do people need healing if there's no more sickness or death or sin or pain? Why do people need healing? Well that word healing is literally in the Greek therapeia, from which we get our word therapy or therapeutic. Sabu is not simply speaking or implying of a healing from sickness or pain, but rather just a a maintaining of health. The leaves will be therapeutic. It, It will be for the enrichment of our lives all throughout eternity, where we're just gonna be blessed and continuing to enjoy the abundance of life that Jesus has always promised us. But what makes this eternal state? even more enjoyable than all of these things? Exploring around our resurrected bodies, a river of water of life and a tree there of life. What makes this time even more wonderful that I think needs to be our focal point and our, our, our number one hope and expectation or anticipation of heaven is that God is going to be there and we shall see him as it says face to face there in revelation 22 verse 4 he's going to dwell in the new jerusalem his throne is going to be there and we're going to have access into the new jerusalem it tells us that the gates of the city are never closed Now back in Bible times, cities would have gates. They'd have fortified walls, and those gates would be closed every night because they were worried about people that would come in and cause disruption or harm. Threats from outside, they'd close the gates. Here in heaven, we don't have any threats or worries. The gates are gonna be open, and we have continual access in to where we get to be with God and see Him face to face. This is a privilege that nobody has ever experienced before. Remember when Abraham Sorry, uh, Moses was saying, if I could just see you, God. Remember, God said, nobody can see my face and live. But I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass by, and you'll see my, my afterglow. Nobody's had the privilege of seeing God. And yet here, we're going to see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. I don't know what that's going to look like. We're going to walk around with these tattoos. I don't know. It's Either way, we're going we're to be blessed by it. But it's speaking of this new intimacy that we enjoy with God. This, this greatness of the relationship that has been not complete in the sense that we haven't been able to I- enjoy Him in the fullness that we can this side of eternity. But we're going to see Him, we're going to be brought into a new relationship with Him, a new intimacy that's never been experienced to this degree. Heaven is going to be so good and, and, and we like to think a lot of times People, their concept of heaven is just all about seeing loved ones that have gone on before them, or perhaps seeing, you know, Rover, their pet dog that died, you know, 20 years ago. Am I going to see Rover I don't know if we're going to see, you know, dogs in heaven. I, I'm not going to say either way on that. Um, but that shouldn't be our hope. That shouldn't be our expectation. Our, our expectation, Our joy should be centered completely on nothing else but seeing God and being able to be brought in this newness of relationship with Him. That's what's going to make heaven so incredible. Oh, I believe we're going to recognize and see everybody. I believe it's going to be a a wonderful reunion when we're first caught up into into glory. I believe it's going to be wonderful. But I think more than anything, we're not going to be like, stuck on, you know, where's this person? I gotta go see this person. Where'd that person go? I gotta see, we're gonna be like, oh my goodness, there's God, (laughs) there's God, and I I get to see him on the throne reigning and ruling and and just being who he is where I've been only seeing as on a mirror dimly, not seeing in full, and yet in that day, we're gonna see in full. We're gonna know in full, and we're gonna know him well, eternity, I hope you're recognizing, is going to be amazing and it's going to be better than anything you can imagine. Here's again some of the points we looked at and maybe some, some other points that we didn't bring up here regarding the eternal state. We see that Satan is going to be removed from further influence in history. He's in the lake of fire where he's casting out. The lake of fire doesn't have any inhabitants right now. It's not Satan's home. It's his punishment. And He's going to be there. No longer influence anything. Sin is going to be done away with. The old earth is going to be, the corruption of it is going to be done away with, and a new heaven, new earth, where sin cannot corrupt any longer. There's no longer any sea. There's no longer any death, crying, or pain. All things will be made new. No longer any night. No longer, and that's pretty cool, eh? No longer any night. We're not going to need to, you know, sleep, take naps. You're going to resurrect a body. We're not gonna have to deal with nighttime to kind of, you know, recalibrate our our system. We're just gonna be living in the light of God. There's no sun. It's just the the illumination of God, the brightness, the radiance of God is gonna illuminate all things. It says, no longer any unclean, nor those practicing abomination and lying. Now, chapter 22, verse 15 says something interesting that a lot of people have kind of gotten maybe tripped up. Um, It says there, but outside, Are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So some people read that and they go, Wait a second. So you mean here we are, access to the new Jerusalem, but then outside of that city, there's gonna be all these people that are still like living in the sin, and are they gonna be trying to bust in and get over the walls or like what what is this all about, those people outside? Some people thought that this is kind of gonna be working in, in tandem together. This is not revealing that there are going to be people in eternity that are still in that category. These people are in the lake of fire. This is what it's meant by them being outside. It means that there's going to be no more admittance of anything that is wicked, evil, or sinful. That's already been dealt with at the end of the millennium. Where sin has been put away with, the heaven and the earth is dissolved, a new heaven, a new creation, new earth, new Jerusalem. All things are made new. There's no longer any sin. So this is referring to those that are in the lake of fire. So there's nothing that will corrupt any longer. There's no longer any curse. Hallelujah for that. It's lifted. We're walking and enjoying the freedom and the blessing of abundance of life. No longer any son, as we said. And believers are able to see the Father face to face. So these are just a number of Blessings and joys that are awaiting us for all of eternity. Man, it's going to be great. This is, see some people I think get a little bit weirded out about eternity because they kind of go, what, what are we going to do? It, is this going to be kind of boring? Like they had that comic, you know, concept of just, you know, sitting on a cloud playing your harp in like a, a you know, some weird angelic outfit, right? It's like, what is this all about? That's not what heaven is going to be. God is creating something so glorious, so wonderful, that we get to participate in and enjoy, my friends. We're going to be just, I think for all of eternity, just like jaws dropping like, whoa, wow. Like I think all of eternity, that's all I'm going to be doing. Wow, amazing. Oh man, it's going to be incredible. And this is just, just, I mean, we're just scratching the surface here. Listen, we've, we've, taken time, Um, a couple times in this church where we've gone through the book of Revelation verse by verse, taken a a long time to go through it. The last time was I think about five, six years ago. All those messages are online. If you want to get into Revelation a little bit more and really break down some of these things, we got some extensive teachings verse by verse of the book of Revelation. Go to our website, go to the messages page, you'll see it all there, and you can really dive in and, and, and just really see a lot more. We're just kind of, Doing a, a flyover and just scratching the surface when it comes to this eternal state, but I, I think we're hitting enough for us to go. Bring it on! I'm ready. This is exciting stuff. Let's let's end here now with verse 12 of chapter 22. Jesus says, "And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last." Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, Come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. I love the invitations that we see throughout God's word. Because repeatedly throughout God's word, we hear that invitation is simply come. God doesn't say, clean yourself up. Do better. Fulfill your requirements. He says, come. Come, and what? take the water of life freely see we start out by asking are you born again have you experienced that new life in christ that new life in christ that life that you are regenerated and born again comes not by us going to church trying to be a good person that happens when we put our trust in jesus as the one that makes it all possible. That's why he came into this world the first time, to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. He rose again, securing life and securing the hope and the blessing, the expectation of eternal life. All these things that we read, Jesus, we saw, has said these things are true and faithful. This is something that we can count on. But the question is, Are you ready to receive this and experience this is this your confident expectation or is this an uncertainty for you because it doesn't need to be nobody needs to leave here uncertain of where they're going when they die if you're uncertain today that can change in a heartbeat because jesus simply says come and receive of this water of life freely. Jesus has done it all for you and all he asks of you is to turn away from your way, your sin, and to turn to him in trust and in faith that he's made it all possible for you, that he's your Lord and savior, that he's paid the price for your sin and he's brought forgiveness to bring you in to new life and new relationship with him. Have you received that today? Have you taken of this freely It's the grace of God. It's not by works, it's all by His grace. Don't fight it, don't try to earn it. You can't work for it, you need to receive it. Come and take the water of life freely today. Let's pray. Worship team, would you come up? Lord, we just commit ourselves to you here today. Thank you for this series, God, that we've been able to take some weeks to look at all that you have planned all that we can have a confident expectation of. But I pray, Lord, that it would not just be an expectation, but it'd be our anticipation, that this is something that we are eagerly and excitedly waiting for. Lord, not in fear or doubt as to what these things are going to be like, but in excitement of all that you have in store for us, Lord. And I pray that as we travel through this world, we would travel lightly. Not getting hung up on, Difficulties, on problems, on trials. Let those things not drag us down, Lord. Let us have our eyes set upon you. Fixed upon heaven. And Lord, as we fix our eyes upon you, may it cause us all the more to live that life that will bring glory and honor to you and to make you known. Because, Lord, we see all around us that this world, that there are people that are, are dying dying in their sin and they need you Jesus so I pray that you would just put a passion in our hearts to share our faith with people to see there's hurting people that can be plucked out of hell and brought into eternal life in you so Lord may we live with that mission in mind may the things that are to come motivate us to live differently in this world today May we shine brightly for you. May you use us and work in us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, and empower us for your service. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close with a song.